marry someone, you promise to love them forever. Baby. No matter how much, <laughs> they might change. Brian? <gasps> Baby, what happened to your face? It's just a bee sting. From Universal Pictures. Is sick or something? Comes a film so shocking. Uh, we got a real problem here. So disgusting. Don't let him in your mouth! It will change the face ah! of horror. Marriage is a sacred bond, for better or worse. Much worse. <laughs> Chick is hardcore. Welcome to Prattle World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience, a mainstream audience, may find boring. Can't get my words out tonight. And welcome to Secret Defenders, where I task my guests to defend their favourite movies that are underrated, infamous, or obscure. And have we got a disgustingly heartfelt kind of film it's uh it's it's beyond description it is so unique even though influenced by many many films it is something truly truly unique and i have a truly unique guest here today to uh to defend this uh underrated horror body horror classic from the mid noughties the darkest period of horror movies there was. It was super serious back then and there wasn't much like this out there. And maybe that is perhaps why it didn't do so well. But we have Femme on Films, Rhea Carrigan, here to defend James Gunn's directorial debut, debut, Slither. Woo! Yeah! Woo! <laughs> wow. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on the show. I've been enjoying all your uh, all your stuff. Uh, Thank you. I, and I was I'm like, everywhere. You are. You you, you and Jack now are busier than me. And I, and I thought I was pretty busy. I thought I was pretty like hardcore on all this. But you guys are are all over comics in motion. The and you've all got your own shows now. It's amazing. I'm absolutely loving it. And uh, I just listened to your first episode of Femon Film, and it was just what I wanted. Uh, oh, you and Tony. Thank you. Absolutely smashed. Uh, Again, still haven't seen Josie and the Pussycats, but I am, oh. I am I'm going to watch it this weekend, I think. I think I'm going to treat yes. myself. I think you need to, and, the, and the, this isn't about Josie and Pussycats, but I think after listening to Femon film, Josie and the Pussycats, you know what you're going into when you watch it now, because I think that's what took many people by surprise when it first came out. People did not know what to expect, and they didn't expect a satire 
or, you know, to be a feminist satire. Mm. But I think, you know, if you've listened, it helps you when you go and watch it now. I'm not saying you're going to love it. It's not the best film that's ever made. But I think it helps set the tone a bit more for what you're about to view. Yeah, just bigging up my own podcast. And and so you should. I think it's really, really good. And I I can't wait to hear from from more guests, um, you know, whoever that, that may be and whatever films you tackle. I'm I'm loving it so far. So I really hope you keep going for a very, very long time. Because oh, I think thank you. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. It's so and I said to you as well, we were having a chat and I was like, so much harder hosting than just popping up like I am today and just sort of like getting to talk passionately about something and getting to say everything that's in my head. When you're hosting, it's like a real effort. It's like a job. It's really, you know. It is. It really yeah. is. Um, yes, yeah, so and I'm I'm feeling it now. I'm feeling the the, the stress, the tension. <laughs> Uh, no, this is this is chill. This is my favorite part of of the podcast is actually just sitting down and talking stuff. I think it's all the editing and the social media and all yeah. all that. That's the stuff I can't stand. All the kind of the admin stuff. I like this is what I like being here in the moment and talking um, underrated, obscure, or you know maligned movies, much like on Femme on Film. Um, so uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, James. Well, there's not much of a plot. But I would like you to explain <laughs> the plot to uh, 2006's Slither. Right, yes. So, okay, let's set the scene. We are in the small town of Wheelsey, which is somewhere in middle America. It is the start of deer hunting season. We have, so we've got Elizabeth Banks as Starla. We've got Nathan Fillion as Bill. We've got Michael Rooker as Grant Grant, which is one of my favourite things. Tanya Saulnia as Kylie. And Greg Henry is the mayor, Jack McCready, which is a lovely shout out to the thing, which I enjoy every single time. And basically it happens over, I think it's like maybe five days, a meteor from outer space or something from outer space lands in Wheelsy and it releases some worms, slugs that want to take over the planet. And it's how our protagonists win and defeat the alien beings. Plus being funny. It is funny. I will, <laughs> I will give you that. It is funny. It's uh, the description really got away from me. Then <laughs> it is funny. Um, no, it's it's it is really good. And like like I was saying earlier, like the the mid mid kind of mid two thousands, mm-hmm. it was like arguably kind of like I said, the worst time for the horror genre. There was a lot of kind of super serious blue filters on everything. These mm-hmm. light blue filters on everything. And it was just a bit dour, a bit down, you know. I think I think the ring was successful, so everything kind of like intimidated and like yeah. imitated that. Uh, this is like absolutely uh, like a love letter, like you were saying, to those kind of eighties horror films. You know, I, I I can list, you know, there's a good like 20, 30 films he's either inspired by or directly references. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually thought this was when I first saw the poster uh, back in the day. Um, I thought this was an actual remake of Shivers by, yes. by Cronenberg, by David Cronenberg, because uh, the slugs going into the bath, I mm-hmm. was like, I was like, oh, yeah, that's Shivers. But then I realised Slither is not Shivers, but it is inspired by it. And that's what I really like about this film. So one of the things that really went against it is, one, you're completely right. When it was released, it was not the right place for this sort of horror, gore, comedy film. It hadn't really happened. We'd had Shaun of the Dead two years before, and people just went crazy for that. But for some reason, Slither slipped through the net. And I think that is because it 
lent more into the horror. It lent more into the gore um, and the body horror type of thing. And I think that one of the things that really worked against it is so many people immediately jumped on it and said, oh, well, it's just copying all of these things. It's not original. Mm. And for me, it is actually completely original because what I love about horror is that we tend to get the same stories and the same tropes over and over and over again. And it's when somebody does something different to that that I find it quite exciting. Or it's when they do the the tropes really well that I really enjoy. Because I think horror works best when it knows it's a horror. And I think this film absolutely knows it's both a horror and both a comedy. And it's not afraid to reference those things. It's not afraid to reference horror films that have had a huge impact that are similar you know like you said you've talked about shivers but there's so many other influences you know for me the first time I watched it I probably didn't notice them all but you know there's I love all the invasion of the body snatchers films I've seen every iteration I think they're all fantastic even though some of them are shit um Um, you know so we've got invasion of body snatches we've got the fly we've got return of the living dead i love zombie films got society which is a film i watched way too young and did not understand and then watched when i was a bit older i was like okay it's not just like some weird sex can people going into a big blob thing you know we we, uh that that was another secret defenders on this podcast Mm. in fact another yeah and uh especially the ending but we won't go into that just yet it's very much like (laughs) like, very much so that's some fucked up shit (laughs) (laughs) exactly right and that's the thing like the script is so good that it it's so it's not self-referential in a way that makes you want to punch yourself in the face it's self-referential in a way that it understands horror and it understands comedy and that's for me that's just why it works it's obviously it obviously loves these films and that genre and it doesn't hide from that but it also does something that's completely its own I think if it wasn't so knowingly referring back to all this 80s horror like like I got um have you seen Night of the Creeps yeah, um, yeah, that's like a, that's a big thing with the slugs going in the mouth and reanimating the dead type of thing. I uh, love that as well, and this, like this Frank Hen and Lotter stuff. So things like Basket Case is you know referenced and mm-hmm. things like that. So really like deep, deep, deep cuts. Um, so it's not just like oh Halloween or you know The Exorcist. It's like really digging deep into those horror love roots. And I think because it explicitly references them, it doesn't feel like a rip-off because it's going, mm-hmm. it's going, this is actually a very obviously a reference to this, but it's because I love it. That's why I'm re- referring to it. I'm not, I'm not making out like this is the most original thing ever because mm-hmm. it isn't. And I think as well, when you were talking about the comedy, I think with Shaun of the Dead, they lean, like you said, they lean into comedy a bit more. It's a bit more like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, this is a comedy. With this, I think it gets the balance. The horror comedies for me are my favourites, and Mm -hmm. and I think um, when you get the balance absolutely right, it works. And I think this one really hits home with a horror as well. Um, It's genuinely disturbing and terrifying at times. Yeah, the two uh, the two sex scenes for me oh. uh, 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 the most disturbing parts I think of yeah. the entire film. Don't, don't worry about the whole you know homogenous mass at the end, but the, just be- before all that happens, that's the that's the bit where I'm like, oh, this is all a bit. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's that. So it's the scene with so basically Michael Rooker, who's Grant Grant, who's married to Starla. He gets it. He's the first person to get infected, um, and I love. 
so we'll get onto that. So we love how that sort of starts manifest manifesting both in his performance and in the, the practical effects and then the character, how the character changes. But there's a scene where he basically needs to impregnate um, somebody. So there's a young lady who he fancies, even though he's married to somebody else, and he's possessed. So he goes in and the whole scene is so unsettling. So he knocks on her door, opens the door, and she's there with her young child. So you immediately get a sense of her as a person. You know, she's obviously quite lonely. She's, like, the day before approached him in a bar. And, you know, it's very open that she wants to have sex with him. Fantastic. She should be. Um, it's not her responsibility that he's married, although, you know, I have some moral issues with that in general. But, I, you know, you understand her as a character. You understand why she... And she's barely on the screen. You understand why she's doing that, and... Well, I mean, I mean later. I mean later. She, yeah. she she's she very like, much on the screen. Very much on the takes screen. up the whole screen. <laughs> um, and when he goes, and you know, and she's, you know, you understand. Like she brings out the cheese and crackers, and she's trying to be sophisticated. Yeah. And it's that's heart wrenching in itself. Like that just makes my heart just drop because you yeah. completely understand how much she just wants to be loved and wants to be with somebody. And then he doesn't rape her as such in what we would consider as a as a human to human rape but he he does rape her and the way it's filmed is it's not exploitative at all it's incredibly disturbing and you like and it's just it's so shocking to just sit there and and see that and it you know we've had before then we've had sort of some jokes and some lead up to it and it's just it's done so well and it's handled incredibly well you know there's there's been dramas and thrillers that have what are rapes in them that are not handled as well as this film yeah it seems so mad to say yeah it's no but you're right you're absolutely right and I think it's a very it's a very fine line to get that either very right or very wrong Mm. I I think it's a very delicate thing to to address in the way you film it and the way you you know you know with horror films there is this kind of you know this is Thing about that we spoke about it last week with Jack in our Hitchcockian clone balls we talk about the male gaze and we talk about the misogyny that comes in like a slasher film specifically and mm-hmm. things and you know and and that argument is very valid and you know all arguments are and and then there's you know scenes like this where it's just I, I know for a fact that the the two kind of um tentacles or mm. whatever whatever they're called um that that come out initially it was only going to be a single one Oh, really? uh, but they felt that it was a little too phallic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why they introduced the second one to kind of make it a bit more kind of uh, alien, to say the least. But, um, yeah, for me, that was just, you know, she's convulsing, her eyes are rolling into the back of her head, you know, and and he's just smiling and grinning. Yeah. And he, he he sits back and he relaxes and he enjoys this, even though it's yeah. like... It's you know it's it's basically his part of his like breeding thing. He takes pleasure in her being affected by it and yes. and 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 effect- and destroyed by it. You know in the long term, um, spoilers. But you know that's that w- that is you know that's just a horrifying the callousness of mm-hmm. it. I think and is the most disturbing part of it. Yeah, we get all these kind of weird and wacky creatures and and humor later on, but. Um, and then you've got this song playing at the bar, this kind of like sweet love song playing all the way over the top of it, which just, you know, is just juxtaposed to that hot, horrific, horrible situation, which mm-hmm. just makes it even, it makes it even that more disturbing than what it already is, basically. Yeah, really disturbing. But even him just, before he even transforms, before he gets infected or anything, him just, you know, pressuring his wife into sex is very uncomfortable. Yeah, and that's such an 
interesting scene. So I, I've watched the film quite a lot. And when I first watched it, I, I wasn't as old or as uh, sort of experienced or as opinionated. <laughs> well, I've always been opinionated about the world as I am now. Um, you know, so I sort of just enjoyed the film for what it is. But the, the older I've gotten, the more I've watched it, which hasn't been much recently because you can't really get it anywhere. We no. had to buy it on a German DVD. Uh, the last two times I watched it for this there's such a great thread and I don't say great as in he's a good person in that character development that's one of the things I really really enjoy about this film that I think all of the characters are incredibly well thought out the writing of them is really good but specifically with Grant Grant it's we see him at the beginning we learn a little backstory about why he's got a young beautiful wife and basically you know she she didn't have a great upbringing. She needed an out and he had lots of money. And that's what that's why she married him. And you see them together and you can see that he's possessive and you can see that he's sort of like pressuring her, pressuring her into sex. When he doesn't get it, he gets up and leaves. And that's when he first meets Brenda at the bar. And then you get the, you know, the next day when she's feeling guilty for not giving yeah. him sex as, as the film progresses, it's so like he gets possessed and the, the the being that possesses him basically falls in love with Starla and they have sex and they have like a wonderful night of sex. And then you see her the next day and she's, you know, flushed and she's telling her co-workers how, what an amazing night and it's been so long that since they've had sex. And it rings so true in abusive relationships because he's not outwardly abusive to her. He doesn't force himself on her. He clearly doesn't hit her or anything like that but he's clearly emotionally manipulative if not abusive hmm. and it's such a wonderful you can't see my my hands but I'm sort of starting quite I'm doing like a curve you know it's such a lovely arc. flow or arc of that relationship hmm. and it gets to you know they realize he's possessed by this thing and she's trying to talk him back and you get this thread of love from her which he does not deserve but you but it works because I mean so many people are in those sorts of relationships but you understand why she's content she's motivated to try and solve it all hmm. because you know he was her savior he's provided her with a safe life and it may not be fulfilling but she's she's as happy as she can be yeah and I think that works really well because if you didn't have that then the rest of the story where she's saying, well, I want to come along to try and capture him, it wouldn't work. You'd be like, why is she there? Why, why have bothered? we put, Yeah, the why does she then team up with Nathan Fillion? Um, I should use their character's names with Bill Pardy <laughs> to, to and, you know, why is she there for the rest of the film? She just wouldn't be. She'd just be fridged, right? That's what we'd get from her. Yeah, and, and I think you think that, especially when it's the kind of the big reveal with the stretchy arm and the police come mm. in, you think... You think, okay, she's probably, you know, it looks like she's just because the cops have no reason to be there, really. Yeah. They kind of just rock up be, because the plot what needs it to happen, kind of thing. Which is, you know, I, I think that's that's probably the weakness of the film is that the plot is very kind of loose and kind mm. of uh, flimsy. But but I find that with a lot of James Gunn films, I think what bring what carries me through a James Gunn film, and I love 
my James Gunn films. I've loved Guardians. Um, the Suicide Squad, I thought, was fantastic. Um, what carries me through is the characters, yeah. the way he writes. And, you know, he, he used to do some acting during the, his trauma days, the trauma entertainment days. You know, he wrote Tromeo and Juliet. So he, mm-hmm. he's, coming, he's coming from that kind of, um, you know, offensive background, um, you know, because that's what trauma are all about, like <laughs> massively trying to offend people every five minutes. Um, if there wasn't a controversy, they were like, we're not going to sell a film. Uh, <laughs> we have not done know. our job properly. Um, speaking of trauma, um, Lloyd Kaufman, who was the you know the director basically of trauma, he makes a cameo in this uh, as the sad drunk in the police station. He also has a cameo in the bar in the Suicide Squad. And Brenda is even watching the Toxic Avenger on the television. Yes, so. yeah, I only found that today when I was uh, doing some googling to make sure I had some of my facts right. <laughs> Got to double check those facts. You know? Yeah, I was like, I was going to come on and just be spouting all this random stuff, and everybody be like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> you better know your stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, but like for a di- for a directorial debut, this is really good. I think I think it's really strong. It's it's fun. It has that balance right with the the humor and the horror, um, which is again a very difficult balance. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, it's just that you know tightrope to walk. It's very very difficult, and you think he he nails it. He can really good actors really strong oh, actors the cast is so good just the the they all bring their a game and they all know how to handle the the content of the film and the, and what it is about what it's all about and i think he said to nathan fillion he went it's not a horror comedy it's a it's a horror that's also funny i think mm. is, is what he described it as so so it's still a horror film but and, and what I love about the characters, they're all a little bit broken. There's all a piece. Mm-hmm. There's always a piece missing. You know, Guardians is a good example of that. With they've all got like you know some you know horrible backstory. You know, Thanos is your dad. I was a raccoon once. You know, all this sort of stuff. You know, and and he finds that kind of core of a character really well. And it, I, I think I watched a video on YouTube, and someone says it comes from a a it comes from a place of insecurity, and that's where he finds these characters. He goes. What's what's their kind of major malfunction? And goes right. Let's build from that outwards and finds a way for them to relate, to be uh, charming, to be funny, to be terrified. Um, you know, and they and they play them all. You know, seriously. Um, and I love that the characters are not like this, the archetype. So the mm-hmm. the the hero Nathan Fillion. You know, his reaction is like a regular person's reaction. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this? I'm terrified. You know, it's not like, well, I've got to do what a man's got to do sort of thing. It's like, uh, this. I'm going to confront this in any way I can, but I'm still, you know, I've I've wet myself, but I'm going to carry on anyway. And and I love those kind of realistic moments. Or uh, the mayor is great in this as well. Yes, I love, so I love good. A, I love a dodgy politician in a in a in a horror film. And uh, you know, it goes back. To, uh, we even did a podcast actually, uh, top five worst politicians a while back. Me and Andy, which was a fun, which was a fun podcast. Um, and this guy, this guy would be in it. I think totally this guy would. He's <laughs> not. I th- and doesn't he does he get called like a, a Republican or a liberal or something? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, yeah, we hate you. Um, but yeah, it's just such a such a great cast and such a great they all have such a great grasp of the script and they know exactly what they're here for, they know exactly how to deliver it. That in a horror film is is kind of key, I think. Either, it's half the work done, isn't it? Yeah. I think either you have to hate them. Or you have to love them in a horror film. Yeah. The characters. If you're somewhere in the middle, don't. And that, and that what's that's what works so well. So like 
Nathan Fillion. So before this, most people knew him from Firefly, Serenity, his short stint on the last season of Buffy. But he comes into this and you do not think he's Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. I mean, other people might, but I don't. And, you know, he still brings his certain Nathan Fillion-esque stuff to it because he is who he is. Um, and he's just got that little charm that he has. But you do not, you like, you just completely forget he's Malcolm Reynolds. You truly believe he's Bill Pardy. You truly believe he's been in love with Starla. He's now the sheriff of this little town where nothing really much happens. You know, and when everything's a bit slow at, at the beginning, everything he does, all of his reactions are real. He acts what I imagine like a real sheriff or police officer would be. He's just kind of like, okay, we've just got to figure out this and we'll do that. It's like, I think it's like this three days later, isn't it, after um, Grant Grant goes running off into the forest, you know, and, and you see them trying to piece things together. And I think that slowness as well is unusual in a good horror film. Mm. I think you'd normally see that in a bad horror film. He just absolutely got the memo and was like, yep, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm going to be funny, cute, brave, stupid, smart. I'm going to do all of this. I'm going to wrap it all up in my performance, put my little twinkle on it. Um, and, you know, and I, there's so there's so many line deliveries that he does that, like you said, that are like a real person. And that's got to be so hard to do as an actor. Mm. You'll know that. Like, yeah. it's surely it's much easier to act than actually act like a real person. Mm. And so he's just fantastic. I think for me, Elizabeth Banks is just the absolute standout in this. She's so good. And her character, it's not, I don't even think that she has character progression and not in a bad way. Hmm. I think from the moment that we see her character, we completely understand that she's somebody who's determined, who's brave, who knows what she wants, who will stand up for herself. But yet she has all these vulnerabilities of a, of a normal person. You know, she's not the horror trope of being a badass muscled up lady and she's not the horror trope of being a damsel in distress she is she demonstrates her strength of character throughout and as and as like strength of character not muscles Hmm. throughout the whole thing and that's why it works because she doesn't even necessarily have to step up when shit goes down she's just who she is you know she's had to put herself in a position so grant grant will marry her so she can have this life that we want we know from the conversations she has with bill that she wanted to run off to hollywood and he's the one who stopped her you know there's always been this drive in her and so when the shit goes down she's like well i'm just going to be carrying on doing this i'm not going to i'm not going to get killed by these weird slug things you know and and it's the little things when she's putting the water into people's mouths from from like the rag and stuff like that it's those those little things of the character that make her so believable and make her absolutely the star of the show. I I agree. I think she's a very, all the characters are very grounded. And I think Mm. that's important in having, you know, you've got weird alien slugs jumping into people's mouths and turning them into zombies. I think maybe you need to ground something or somebody (laughs) in this. And, you know, and I think that's what, it does really well, and you know, and and I think everyone is likable to a Absolutely, to a degree, yeah. a- even, apart from the mayor. Yeah, even <laughs> even the mayor, I kind of like. I'm like, <laughs> he's a complete he's a complete arsehole, but. Uh, I love his like. I love him like. I love when they don't have his favorite. Um, was it Mister Pib? Um, yeah. And he's like, all oh, this shit's going, and, and this is like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. He's like, people throw spitting acid at me and trying to eat me and trying to kill me, and squids going up 
people's mouths. And, uh, and now we've run out of Mr. Pib. <laughs> you know, that's his big thing. Um, he was actually in one of the films that me and Jack discussed the other week in, uh, in our Hitchcock clone balls. Really? Embody double, yes. So, uh, um, he, yeah, yeah, he's in body double. So you should give that a watch if you like him. He's uh, he's very good in that. I, I I think everyone like even even Grant or the the Grant monster mm-hmm. uh, because James Gunn considers Grant dead as soon mm-hmm. as as soon as he gets infected. We get this lovely little X ray. So we get this little barb that fires into his chest, mm-hmm. and then and then it kind of wheedles its way up into his brain, and then we get this X ray shot of it like going up there, and uh, at that point he says he's dead. And then the monster takes over this kind of um, this kind of hive mind from a thousand different planets that has experienced and an et kind of like the thing uh, from yeah. John Carpenter or like a, a symbiote from Spider Man type thing. There's this hive mind, and I love that even though that like Grant can no longer really talk with all the kind of makeup and everything can't effectively talk. He's talking through all the other people mm-hmm. and, and he could organize like traps and things like that. I love that idea that you could, you know, you could coordinate something while having this hive mind and then, and then scra- scream some obscenities and some awful stuff for these people as well, which is kind of hilarious as well. <laughs> like you're going to get it. You whore yeah. like that, you know, um, and the fam and when the family attacks, the young girl, who was in the bath, you know, all the sort of things they're shouting at her. I want to talk about that whole scene. So from that moment, that whole moment with Kylie being attacked from the bath is the perfect short horror film within a longer form horror film. And it's so good. So we see her, she's having dinner with her parents, her dad's being racist about her nails um, because somebody from Japan did it. Um, so we're already a bit like, we know what's going to happen here. She's going to be the one who survives and they're all going to get, uh, well, not killed, is it? But they're going to get, I guess, taken over by the slug I mean, they do, they, they do die. Like, they I, do, yeah. I, yeah, but... at the end they do. <laughs> but when, you, when, you, when it goes into your brain, you're, you're dead you, anyway. Yeah, you're pretty much done for. And, you know, so it's, it's her, her mum and dad and her twin sisters. And so the slugs come out there. It's near their house. She's having a bath, classic horror sort of setup. We get the slugs come in uh, into the bath, swim through the bath, which is, you know, a lovely sort of homage. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word um, to so many other things. Um, and, you know, obviously like now uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and things like that. And then she comes out and she's immediately into survival mode, which we see in sort of a normal sort of final girl. She, you know, she's the final girl trope, yeah. whereas yeah. Starla is not. Um, and then when she finally gets out of the house and she's in the car, so everybody in her family's got the slugs in them and she's in the car. The performance of the two girls playing her sisters is absolutely fucking terrifying. <laughs> Those girls, how they are not hugely famous now is absolutely beyond me because like it's genuinely terrifying when she's in that car hmm. and and the way those girls are delivering the lines and looking, they are animated zombies who can talk um it's just like it's it's absolutely genius and we would see that in a short horror film and even the way you know obviously that the, it has to progress um so she escapes the car and everything but for me a short horror film would just end with her like fading to black maybe a camera pulling out with her in the car not knowing what's going to happen to her exactly yeah with all the slugs going over yeah. so good yeah, it, it really, really is. I and and the scariest the scariest thing about the zombies as well is that they can 
they can mess with you psychologically. Mm, mm-hmm. Like they can undermine you. They can make you afraid. They can say personal stuff to you. That's you know, a zombie is terrifying enough. Not not only does it have a, a alien slug in it, but it also can talk to you and knows things about you, knows personal stuff about yeah. you. Like that's a that's a I mean that's that's a that's that's more real horror to me when someone says things like that to me and I'm like, oh my god, that's really, <laughs> that's really upsetting. Um, you know, that's that's you know, that's scary stuff. Um I was I was reading kind of reading up on it and doing a bit of research and I found out that this was a fairly personal film for for James Gunn like not only is it is you know directorial debut so it was a big it was a big deal it was a big thing there was a lot of pressure but um uh, Jenna Fisher who has a role in the mm-hmm. film and who was married to James Gunn at the time her part she wasn't even originally supposed to be in it she somebody kind of begged out of their contract or something. And James Gunn gave her her part as a birthday present. And she kind of screamed with joy because she said, she, she's like, I've always wanted to play a zombie, <laughs> um, which, uh, which I love. It's like a really sweet story. But however, the, their marriage, um, they broke up, I think, a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. And the way he talks about the film, that it's actually all about marriage and the pressures of marriage and how, you know, people seem to get other people from outside seem to become part of the marriage mm-hmm. and and that they start to and it just becomes kind of chaos and it becomes more difficult to maintain the marriage and maintain this loving relationship um which is kind of not unlike the homogenous mass at the end the mm-hmm. society element uh and I'm not sure if maybe that you know this was something that was plaguing him and the marriage his marriage at the time I don't think he was married before so maybe that kind of fed in and he does say he relates to the Grant character a lot in I, I don't think in an abusive way from from what I gather, um, but I think it's that you know you know he's kind of trying his best, and he even though he's trying to he's trying his best and he loves this person, it's the marriage kind of falling apart at mm-hmm. the seams, and that he's trying to hold this together, and the monster is trying to hold itself together as well. So I think it kind of feeds into that a little bit. I mean, it's a little sad, but obviously some of the best art we get is from very sad people, you know, um, or troubled people, troubled artists. So he seems very happy at the moment. So that's, <laughs> He's doing uh, all right. He's doing all right, yeah. So he's got a you know beautiful new uh, girlfriend and, you know, she was in Suicide Squad. He's happy. Don't worry about it. But <laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of, in some ways, I'm kind of glad that happened if that fed into this and gave mm. us such an excellent film. Um but I, and you know, and obviously Jenna Fisher's done all right in the office, the American office. You know, she's very popular. She has her own popular podcast about the office as well. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So it all it all worked out in the end. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's an interesting. You know, again, it's you, you look at it and you go, oh, it's just a monster movie. It's a bit of body horror, you know, and you and you know, it's a bit of kind of tongue in cheek humor and stuff. But actually, it's you know, there's there's some deeper stuff going on, especially with all the characters. Grant, like you said, Starla, who's this kind of um, apparently James Gunn was looking for a Hitchcockian blonde. Mm, yeah, you should totally see, it, especially at the end when she's in the white nightdress and oh, yeah. the way um, Elizabeth Banks talks of Starla, not just the accent, but you know, there's a softness that she brings into her voice, which, you know, trying to be that delicate blonde, and she's mm. anything but and and that's what's again fantastic about the film. You know, you first see her and she's a school teacher, you know, she she's this soft, gentle character. And then as soon as shit goes down, she's like beating somebody's head in with a shovel. Um <laughs> but but again, like I said, that doesn't feel out of place because we've heard in the setup that she is strong and determined and so when she does that you're sort of like 
it's not you don't sniff like oh that's a bit out of the blue like it often happens to women in horror films when they have to defend themselves you go yeah okay she she knows how to get out of a situation or to get what she wants and she is gonna smash that head in so that she's safe yeah i i think it's some i think like you're saying there's some amazing set pieces even if mm. even if you don't like maybe the whole film i think there's at least one sequence in this that you would like uh, i i want to talk about the brenda sequence we've already talked yeah. about the impregnation. So let's uh, let's talk about the birth of uh, let's talk about the birthing of, of all the slug monsters via Brenda. Grant is you know he's quite a clever guy. He's the well the Grant monster because he's not mm-hmm. Grant anymore. But he he rem- he has memories and experiences and he's had sex. So the Grant monster has actually had sex with Starla and fallen in love with Starla and has those kind of and even Grant you know he didn't cheat on Starla. So he does you know he does still he's not. I mean, he's not great. I'm not saying he's a hero in any in any stretch of the imagination, but he's still there's still a genuine love and affection for mm-hmm. Starla, and that transfers over to the creature. And I think that's what James Gunn was kind of after was kind of a, a somewhat sympathetic and lonely creature, like yeah. a, a creature from the Black Lagoon, a Frankenstein, a Wolfman, a King Kong. You know, I think that's what he was trying to because this is a universal movie, so it's it's a universal monster. I don't I don't know if you would put him in you know the same the same you know photo or anything. Grant. <laughs> But, um, you know, technically it's a universal monster. So, you know, there's a lot of kind of history there with sympathetic characters and stuff. And sympath- like everyone's, everyone loves the monster, don't they? We we still love Michael Myers and, you know, Jason Voorhees and Freddy and all those. And, and they're horrific people, but we love them in a, in some kind of way. And we think, oh, those people probably deserved it. Now, you know, the, the kids who bullied Carrie definitely deserved it. They you know? definitely deserved they, it. They deserved it. Definitely deserve. 100%. I don't often say that. I believe that most people can be redeemed. Uh, Not everybody. No, I said that. Uh, They cannot be redeemed and they definitely deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, But yes, so so Grant is, the Grant creature has led uh, all the cops and everybody to to the barn. There's this big barn. And uh, why why don't you tell us uh, what they find (laughs) in the barn? (laughs) They open the barn and there's a there's a strange smell. What could that be? And they go in and it's quite dark, but they see <laughs> filling the whole screen a poor, bloated, giant. I mean, what is basically, and I think James Gunn even says this, it's basically like a giant tit of Brenda. It's like one giant boob with her head as like a little nipple, um, completely stretched out and bloated with what we are about to find out is slug babies. Um it's very grotesque. The poor actress was claustrophobic, apparently, and got oh. to didn't know that she was going to shove her head in this. Oh, God. It's so hard to describe. Basically, what fills the screen is a giant stretched pink balloon that looks like a bit like a boob with her head in the middle. And she's crying and just saying that she's so hungry. And I mean, everybody handles it incredibly well, I would say. <laughs> yes. Because I would be like, well, I'm just fucking off out of here. I'll see you all later. <laughs> and Bill's like, well, I think I think we need to get you to a hospital. <laughs> what the I mean, what are they going to do? Yeah. yeah. What the fuck are they going to do? One of my favourite lines. <laughs> they, so they basically be lured there. So knowing that she is going to explode <laughs> with the slug babies, it's fucking weird. Yeah, and she, all the way through the scene, they're talking to her like she's still yeah. conscious, and and yeah. she's uh, Grant has brought her all this like just 
carcasses dead, of meat. Yeah, animals. But yeah, he's bought all sorts of like dead, like deer, and, and she's like, oh, can you pass me that possum over there? I'm still, <laughs> yeah, I'm still really hungry, and everyone's like about to throw up anyway. The mayor goes out to actually kill yeah. her. And she keeps, all of a sudden, she'll just like undulate, and she'll be like, oh, and just like shake, and everyone's like, oh, stay back, you, oh, you weirdo, stop it, you know, and uh, and it just gets worse and worse, and, and you know, and it's, it's like it's 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 obviously there's a lot of tragedy and comedy and there's a lot of comedy and tragedy <laughs> as well and it's kind of like you feel so sorry for her you're like poor poor brenda i felt like brenda's had a tough time brenda she's called brenda in real life as well yeah. so 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 brenda and brenda had a really <laughs> tough time of it. <laughs> my god um but there's, but- you know, there's a nice little line again <sighs> like this is the thing i genuinely think the characters are written so well like there's a nice little line in that bit where she talks about like is her baby okay yeah. Yeah, and that doesn't need to be there. No. But you know, again, it gives us that sympathy for Brenda in that scene because it could be played for laughs, and it is because it is hilarious, but it's also grotesque at the same time. But then also, there's this really small touching bit in there where we're like, poor Brenda, like literally, poor Brenda. Like all she was was a bit lonely with her baby who's playing with a tomato. Um, you know, and she just wants a bit of company, a bit of love, and this is what she gets. And you know, she she's not been taken over by one of the worms she's still her just awfully impregnated eating dead animal carcasses absolutely so good it makes me think of again a james gunn film you know when um in guardians where you see you see rockets back and Mm. you see all the kind of experimentation and the scars Mm. on that and and again doesn't need to be there We we know all we kind of need to know about rocket really but it's just that added touch of of emotion and that heart mm. to go. Yeah, he's a bit of an arsehole. He's a bit. He's you know he can be a bit you know obnoxious and stuff. But actually, deep down, he's just he's just hurt like the rest of us. Like he's, just, he's you know he is his you know his sum of scars, if you will. You know he he is his life's worth of experience. And and again, it's like a really kind of sweet, touching moment. Again, it's full of ridiculous lines, and <laughs> some amazing one-liners, and some amazing, just brilliant, just brilliant bits of just like ridiculous, disgusting comedy. Um, but again, like you said, there's just this, you know, these moments where you know these kind of sweet moments, like like Grant even says, "Oh no, I can't do it. I can't cheat on my mm. wife. I love mm. Starla. I really do love Starla. I know it's difficult, but I, she's I'm married to her. I love her, and marriage is sacred, and that's a big thing in this. Like we was talking about marriage again it's a big thing within the story because that's Mm -hmm. that's how kind of Starla is able to kind of attack the creature manipulate the creature and 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 use that to her advantage because the creature is in love with her yeah and she does it she does it so well as well like when she's in the final in the finale we see the grant creature has absorbed most of these zombies into himself to make an even larger, more grotesque body. Um, you know, very society. I love, I absolutely love society as well. The political, Such good film. the political stuff in there as well. I absolutely love it. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. Go check it out. Go check out the podcast that we did. Me and uh, Dan Burgess did. It's so much, it was so much fun. Um, anyway, but we see that and she comes in and they capture her and they, and again, it doesn't kill her. doesn't like impregnate her. doesn't do anything because he, he genuinely loves Starla. This star creature loves Starla. It, it's like she comes in and she's like, she's like, well, I've got to get used to all these changes. There's been so <laughs> many changes, you know, but I can adjust, I can adapt to to, to love you in a in a new way. You know, and it's you've got these tentacles kind of like caressing her. And um, so apparently there were seven puppeteers for all those tentacles oh, as well. The practical effects of this film are amazing and still hold up. Hmm. I'm watching it on like a high definition TV. I mean, the the visual effects less so, but the practical effects are so good. And the makeup, 
I mean, obviously, no horror film ever gets nominated for anything, but how this did not win any awards for makeup is beyond me. And and the way they progress it as well, like, I have no idea how they did it, but in my head, there were just like these amazing storyboards of how just for the makeup to especially grant grant monsters makeup and how they progress that because it is absolutely outstanding. And and I'm so happy to to see this far into the 2000s that Mm. like almost entirely, you know, practical horror film is still using practical effects even that far like 2006 because now it's you know it'd be done by cgi you know there's not one thing this film that would would be practical in today's day and age it just would not happen but you know even even in his even in his most recent films there's there's still practical effects you know drax for example that could have Mm. all been cg Mm. but it's not it's it's practical and there's a lot of stuff that could could have been you know just cgi to to the absolute limit um again i think that's one of the things that is probably the weakest of this film is that the CGI is just not up to snuff against the practical. It does yeah. try, and I think there's some moments where it looks pretty good, but I, I think genuinely you're looking at the practical, you're not looking at the yeah. at the at the CG. But it's it's absolutely gorgeous. That whole kind of I could look at that all day. It's absolutely disgusting and the detail, the <laughs> the the kind of like the fish-like um tentacles and the you know the protrusions, the hair and and just you know all these people just like undulating as well going like oh you I loved you Starla. Yeah there's one guy who is absolutely fucking bringing it. In that final scene, it's like there's the three sort of like undulating in in the big body bit, and I think he's in the middle. And I'm like, that guy is giving it his all. Like he is not me- and and delivering as well. Like he is not messing around. Again, like most people in this film, he got the memo and was like, I am fucking on it. Absolutely. And also like doing an impression of Michael Rooker yeah. while, he's, while he's in the room, which is ballsy, you know. Um, it reminds me of Bra- Batman Returns where like Christopher Walken's son is, is doing his his voice <laughs> to, next to Christopher yeah. Walken. It's like, dad, go, save yourself. You know, <laughs> he's doing all that and just like, oh God, you've got, you've got some balls on you to do that. But yeah, just it's just phenomenal. Um, I loved the, um, I loved the, the genuine kind of suspense of the zombie deer as well. Mm, mm. Um, it was genuinely a spooky, very tense. You're like, you're not sure what's going on, what's in here. And then when it's revealed that it's like the zombie deer, like, again, you think, oh, just a deer, you just whack it away and it's, it's not much of a threat. But genuinely, you're like, fuck me, that deer's definitely going to kill him. It's it's going to happen. Yeah. He's, that deer is going to kill him. And that, again, I mean, I don't know what was behind that scene. Bill goes back to the police station to get a grenade to try and blow up Grant Monster. And he goes in, it's all like creepy and dark and there's things happening. He's managed to make it without being seen. We see the deer. And then we cut completely outside and see it from the outside. And I don't know if that was like budgetary reasons or like a, a directorial decision but however it came about it works so well and you can tell I mean I, I presume it's Nathan Fillion because this wasn't like the biggest budget film but you can tell he's like properly chucking himself around that set and around that room and it's so good like it just full-on makes me laugh that scene every single time and then when they carry on when he comes out afterwards and he's and he says to Kylie the young girl like I'm going to tell everybody that I saved you from it and 
it's a really obvious joke, but I don't know, it just lands really well. And again, that just makes me laugh so much just every single time. Because again, he's not this like overtly masculine. Yeah. And he's not this, you know, macho. It's not that macho bullshit. He's like a genuine guy under, you know, realistic, genuine, real guy under these, you know, crazy circumstances and he's just dealing with it as a normal guy would it's not like well i'm gonna save everybody and i know what i'm just gonna do you know it's not john wayne swaggering in to save mm. the day it's like an absolutely average guy just <laughs> you know a beat cop just you know he's like i don't know what the fuck's going on but I, i'm gonna try i'm scared shitless but i've, I've got to do something mm. and you know and it's it's that it's that what i love is that you know, it's being that being afraid, but then facing that fear as well. Like, I think that's that's always, I think, is it, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you're fearless, you're totally, you, you know, you don't have any fear, but it's not you, you feel the fear and you do it anyway. And I, yeah, absolutely. And I think he really embodies that kind of aspect in his character, but he, he still can't really deal with the unrequited love of Starla. Yeah, um, that's his that's his real fear. He's like, I can't really tell her that I like her because she's married and you know, I don't know. Um, but he'll, he'll throw himself at a giant squid (laughs) giant squid squid monster so so good i don't think you've had to do that much defending of it no i haven't have i i mean we probably should have like said at the beginning that it was an absolute box office flop yeah absolutely any money anywhere at all yeah um and And it was kind of disowned as well it was kind of disowned because of that i say this i I messaged jack earlier actually to say is this memory correct because i don't think we because we used to live together and we both love films. We'd always go to the cinema and watch films together. I'm not 100% sure that we went to see this in the cinema. I have a very distinct memory of watching this in a house we used to live in with our housemates in London. Hmm. And I remember watching it then and being like, this film is amazing. Like, I was just completely in love with the film from the very, very first time I watched it. And at that time, you know, I didn't really know anything about what was popular at the box office unless it was like, like Lord of the Rings and shit yeah. like that. Which is funny because I used to read like every film magazine going. So you think I would absorb some of that, but I just clearly didn't. <laughs> I was not, inter- not interested in the facts. I just yeah. want to read the cool bits where they're on the set talking to all the people. <laughs> um, and so I have very distinct memories of being like, this film is amazing. But pretty much all my life when I've talked about a horror film that I think is underrated, nobody has ever heard of it. Nobody's ever seen it. And like I said, there's, you know, it's actually really hard to get hold of. You can't buy it on any streaming from one of the large online retailers. You can only get it in uh, from Germany, which is what we had to do. Hmm. Um, Obviously, you know, in the UK, it's already here, but it's the German. (laughs) It's all the... uh, the blurb and stuff's all in German, luckily, because I was like, it's definitely not going to be in German, is it? <laughs> That's really going to, def- I'm going to have to choose a different film. <laughs> um, it just disappeared. It just completely disappeared off the map. And, you know, and I'm part of loads of like horror Reddit threads and stuff like that. And I'm a lurker. I don't post too much. Hmm. But, you know, people will talk about films like this, you know, like what's a good body horror film? And this hardly ever comes up. There's going to be some horror nerds who'll be listening to be like, yeah, I knew about Slytherin stuff, which is great because I think more people should know about it. But it really is a film that just sort of dropped off the face of the earth. And I don't think it deserves that. I think it is so much more accomplished than many other, not even first time filmmakers doing horror. And there's so many good things about the, I just think the writing's so incredibly good. Like we talked about, everybody came knowing what they were doing and bringing themselves to it and doing the best that they could better than that. Cause that sounds like really dismissive, but just 
just 100% getting the assignment. And I just don't understand why there's nobody I can ever talk to about it or why it, it is not more of a... If I was if I was universal right now, after the success of the Suicide Squad, right. I would be going, do we have anything by James Gunn? Yep. Put it out. Get it out there. You know, he wrote he wrote the Scooby-Doo movies. Get them out again. Put them out. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> I he always wrote- forget about that. I always forget about that. <laughs> so good. He uh, wrote those. They were they were great. You know, what they, a are, man. they are what they are, but they're great. You know, he wrote Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Get yeah. that out. Get I love out. that Dawn of the Dead. Get this out. Like, do your HD, do your Ultra HDs, mm. do your, whatever format it's in now, 4K, whatever it is. Just, Get it out there, and it will look gorgeous. Because again, it's all practical effects. Yeah, so it's gonna look great. Yeah, the CGI might be dated, and again, the the plot is you know very A to B, very thin. But everything else is there. The action sequences, like you said, these individual little horror stories are great, and you don't necessarily need to watch the rest of it. If you want to just watch the YouTube, I do recommend watching the whole thing. But if you were just you just want to cherry pick these these moments, fair enough, because they do work on their own, and they've got the humor, they've got the the action they've got the heart they've got the drive they've got like everything is just firing on all cylinders for me again this might not be for everybody it's a very particular taste and a sense of yeah. humor yeah but- if you're if you're not into james gunn humor or body horror it's probably not going to be for you so so tony tony farina i probably wouldn't suggest it for him because it's not no. not his flavor and that's no. totally fine i and i do think that's one of the problems with why it wasn't so successful it just it couldn't land with, although audiences, it's got quite a high rating on sort of like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. But at the time it came out, it couldn't land in the right place. And I think people did not understand what it was when it was coming out. I imagine it would be a hard film to market. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine the marketers going, how do we sell this? Because it's funny, but it's not necessarily what you would call a comedy because it's the the characters react in a very realistic way and that's humorous. But it's not like, it's not like, you know, they're going to the shop for a cornetto and coming back and the zombies are all over there and they're walking past them. It's genuine like shock horror or what's going on, but it's like, Oh yeah, that's fucking weird. And I think that would be a difficult sell. Again, it's not evil dead. It's not some of the other more, it's not a reanimator necessarily. It's another kind of new type of flavor. It was, it's probably a bit avant-garde really. It was probably a little bit ahead of its time, I think maybe in, in what it was trying to do, but then again, you know, he's gone on to have, you know, people like his stuff and he's gone on to have success elsewhere. Well, and that's the other thing, isn't it? There there wasn't really anything to sell it, right? James Gunn wasn't a name. He is now. Like you said, people would be laughing mm. up. What are they doing? They should be releasing it. Nathan Fillion, very small geek subset of people know who he is. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks hadn't really yeah. done that she, much, you know. She'd, she'd been Betty, Betty Brandt in Spider-Man. That's mm. why I remember him, her in earliest. I'll be honest, my first exposure to James Gunn before I saw this was a, a reality show. I don't know if you ever saw it. It was called Scream Queens. I know of it, but I don't think I've ever yeah, watched it. It is basically, it was uh, it was actresses wanted to become horror actresses and it was a competition. And uh, basically they were basically challenging each other and the winner would get a part in the latest Saw movie. <laughs> And James Gunn was one of the judges. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Michael Rooker came in and did a, they all did like an audition scene with him and he plays, they play like a vampire sort of yeah. type thing. And he's, he, you know, would play the same scene with all the different women and they would oh kind God, of go. I need to find this. Yeah. I think you, I think you get it. It's proper cheesy. It's trash. 
I don't know a lot of the other people that were involved. There was mm. um, one of the actresses from, um, I can't remember her name, Shawnee Smith, I want to say. From, she's in Saw. She's like the one in the first and the second one. She's in the blob. She's in the original blob as well. Right. I want to say Shawnee Smith or something like that. Um, we did a, a couple of years ago. I did a Scream Queen um, listing, and she was in mm. my she was in my top five. I can't remember her name now. It feels bad. <laughs> it feels so bad. Um, look at her. You know, you know what she's in. <laughs> you, you know, I'm talking. You know, people know, people know. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, some people would get a blast out of that. I think it was only on for like a couple of seasons, mm. but uh, but it was a very unique show. Um, but yeah, he was one of the judges on it. And that was, a, and then every time I see him now, I went, oh yeah, Scream Queens. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. See, that's the thing. I'm like, oh, James Gunn, Slither, and then I know Gardens of the Galaxy. Everyone, sorry, <laughs> I am mainstream as well. Yes, I know the mainstream things. Yes. I know what they're popular for. <laughs> you know, but that's not my world. I, I like to talk about the unpopular stuff, the stuff that <sighs> that doesn't get celebrated. That's what this channel's all about. And this is what the Secret Defenders is all about. Um, so, I, 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 there was no, not really much need for you to defend it, but I think. I think people will love it if they check it out. If they, mm. it's again, if that's what you like, if you like James Gunn, if you like your body horror, if you like, if you like a horror film that references its, you know, its predecessors and its history, um, you know, in a good way, in a positive way, uh, in a fun way, you know, I think this film is would be right up your alley. I think if you're a horror fan, I think this in general, I think if you're a horror fan, you'll you'll get a kick out of this Agreed. in in so many ways. Uh, I'm just going to see what kind of trivia I can find because I've Ooh, I've written some down. Oh yes, uh, James Gunn had to explain to the crew uh, what the term bukkake meant. because oh. <laughs> uh, nobody knew what that meant apart from James Gunn. So he's like, <laughs> "Let me weave you a tail." Guys. Do you think he was like really proud of that moment, or was just a bit like, uh, "Right, yeah. <laughs> am I am I am I the deviant in the group? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the twisted one." <laughs> Um, there's a there's a post credits scene to this film. Is there? There is. Did you did you were you aware? Well, now that you've said it, I think so, but I don't know what it is. Is it because there's still slugs, isn't there? So there's a little part of Grant left. It's kind of like a little bit of yes, a brain yes. or something, and it's kind of it's twitching and stuff. And then a cat yeah. comes along, starts licking it. Yeah. Um, and then fade to black. You hear the kind of barb shoot out, and the cat screams. You know, it's basically saying the cat is now infected, and yeah. it's all going to happen again. <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought I'd mention that in case anybody missed because everyone loves a good post credits, and you know James Gunn's done them before. Started it. He's done Started it. The post credits. Way ahead. Way ahead of time. Uh, what else? Oh, well, Brenda- while you're doing that, can I yeah, just say ahead. one of my favorite visual jokes in the whole film? Which every time, if I'm watching it with somebody, I want to pause and be like, "You can see it, right? You can see it." is after they've broken into Starla and Grant's house, Grant Monster's house, and Grant, Grant Monster's gone off, and they it's three days later and they're back in the police station. They're making jokes about Grant Monster being a squid. Is There is a map on the wall in the police station, and sightings of <laughs> Grant Monster is a squid. Every single time. And I just feel like everybody else can see this, right? Because it's genius. It's so clever. It's so funny. So basically, it's ruined the film for everybody yeah. because I'm that dickhead. Yeah. But it's just, you, you see that visual gag? It's funny. Yeah. I'm telling it's you, it's funny. It's so funny. I just <laughs> every single time it makes me laugh. And there's another visual gag, which is when the twins are in the beds, they're going to sleep and they're reading R.L. Stein horror films. Uh, horror, horror novels, sorry, not Goosebumps, films. yeah. Goosebumps. Yeah, goosebumps, yeah. And again, like, I have to be like, because, you know, because that's a horror, a horror book. I'm not the most irritating person, clearly, I know. <laughs> but they're just two visual gags that I just, 
every time just floor me. I really like them. Don't worry, I'm very guilty of of watching a Marvel film and going in the comics. <laughs> oh no, you're it, the worst. Yeah, though. I'm the worst. the worst. I am. I'm the worst one. I definitely am. In the comics, it's not like that. It's different. <laughs> It's not quite like that. I don't know if it's better, but it is different. Do you um, watch something adapted from the book and go, oh, the book was better? Um, oh, I'm, one of those, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Depends on the book. Depends on the book. Okay, Depends on the adaptation. They're different mediums. So yeah, no, absolutely. I, I often don't think that argument holds up. Just Yeah, fair enough. No, that's no. fine. That's, that is a, that's a good argument to have. Um, Slither, the film, used so much skin-making silicon that it depleted the national supply of silicon and it took them over a month to make more silicon. That's amazing. And the thing is, now that you've said it, it seems so obvious, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a lot of skin. A lot of skin on show, a lot of skin on the zombies, on the, all the fleshy stuff. Um, 300 gallons of slime was used as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> Just dripping pussy. It's, some of this film is actually gross. Oh, yes, it's disgusting. Properly gross. It's pure, like, Cronenbergian. Yeah. Stuff. Like, Cronenberg loves his kind of the way disease and sex yeah. in, in literally intersexes together, like, comes together and, you know, STIs and all that sort of horrible stuff, um, you know, and that's very much on display here as well. You can you can definitely see where you're like, that's a bit orifice-y, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> Speaking, speaking of sex. Um, <laughs> speaking the, of orifices. <laughs> speaking of orifices. Um, the parasites were made of thermal gel and elastic material that was developed for the adult sex industry. I don't know why I say adult sex, like other sex is a thing. <laughs> I, think the, I think adult industry is what I'm Adult industry, say. yeah. Yeah, ad- adult industry or sex industry. Not I always t- love this stuff, like with prop makers, like the stuff that they just adapt to make into things Hmm. like they've got to have the best imagination like they have to be like the perfect blend of imagination and science to be able to make these things like prop makers just completely blow my mind same with like foley artists i'm just like how do you like look at an orange and be like oh this will be the perfect sound of somebody's brain being squished in just madness it's yeah. It's just I, I love I love the imagination, like the research they do. Apparently, for Grant, they research kind of undersea creatures, like you know, uh, yeah. sea cucumbers that, and yeah. starfish. But they also looked at like skin diseases and skin problems, and kind of like let's kind of mesh them together, see what happens. Um, but yeah, just <laughs> fantastic. Um, um, <sighs> The, there is a a bit of music plays when they're all tooling up at the police station, and it sounds very similar to the the theme from Predator. So it's the so it's not. I don't think it's the exact music because they probably would have been sued by twentieth century Fox. But I think it's it's just enough because I heard it and I went, "Shit, that's the Predator theme, isn't it?" Even I heard it and went, "Yeah." Because I've seen that film a million times. <laughs> I, I know the music. I can do the music. Uh, <laughs> what else was there? Oh, this is brilliant. The barn is a property owned by Buddhist monks. <laughs> wait for it. Wait for it. Who love the Matrix. <laughs> That's something I really need to explore at a different time. <laughs> Buddhist monks watching the Matrix and going... Yeah, I'm on it. We- well, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of layers to the Matrix. Yes, I mean, 
You get, you know, you can pull Is away. There... <laughs> Not a fan, no? No, I, I really like The Matrix. <laughs> I, I don't think it necessarily holds up as time's gone on, but somebody can convince me otherwise. I think The Matrix is incredibly good at what it does, but I don't think there's necessarily that many layers in it. I think recently people have been discussing of it as kind of a, a trans film. Yeah, uh, great. Which is which is an interesting way to, to look at it. I've, I've never looked at it that way myself, but I think I think you could definitely view it in that way. Yeah, I'd love to view it through that, through that uh, lens. That's and great. obviously both directors now have transitioned. Yeah. So so that could that argument could be made that that was, you know, maybe unconsciously uh, th- running throughout the film, perhaps or the franchise. But who knows that? But I'm sure there's a I'm sure there's a podcast out there where someone's gone headfirst into that. Um, now I feel bad about saying it's not got that many layers. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I just, yeah, I'm, I'm just here to make my guests feel bad. That's all I do. <laughs> make them feel awful. But yeah, that was. Uh, that, if that people was... are finding layers in it now that are about amazing things like transitioning, then that's fucking amazing. I'm swearing loads. I apologize, but I am no. on board for that. So don't get me back on the Matrix layer bandwagon. You you swear as, as fucking much as you fucking like. <laughs> yeah. so you can say that you could even say the C word if you want. <gasps> oh. But no, too far, too far gone too far c word what costco <laughs> cows colonic colonic yes yes colonic? Uh, i think grant grant, grant definitely needed a colonic after eating <laughs> all those people i think <laughs> see what comes out um right well i think we're, we're coming towards an end but i've really enjoyed this and i think you know what what else can we say about the film that hasn't already been said by yourself mostly it is a very 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 fun film i think there's a lot of is there a lot of layers to this one or would you say unlike the matrix <laughs> i wouldn't say there's that many layers to this one either but that's more like, okay. more like more like folds of skin oh <laughs> we've got to bring it back <laughs> But, I, you know, I, I don't think there are layers, but not in a bad way. I think you you aren't as sold on the overall arching story as I am. I think I'm all in for it. I think you've got a valid critique in that, like, it doesn't really go anywhere, but that doesn't bother me. But layers, I would say it's like a really small onion. I would agree with that. Like, I'm not, I, I, I'm not, I'm criticising it just... I'm, oh yeah, us, yeah. You're allowed fair. to criticize it. Oh yeah, yeah. That's fine. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that it's just because it doesn't have much of a plot. It's a poor film. I, I absolutely disagree uh, with my own points. Um, it's, <laughs> it's like it's an A to B plot, and sometimes yes. you need that. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road, the yeah. best A to B plot that's oh ever God. been written. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, of Steve McQueen's Bullet because that is mm. just, that is just a simple film. It's just like one guy chasing down another guy. That's all you need to know. That is one single layer, isn't it? That's yeah. like one layer of cling film. Yeah, but it's done so well. That's yeah. the thing. It's a, done a, so a well. A very taut layer of cling film. Oh, yes. Um, I, these, these are all getting away from me. <laughs> Stop talking about layers. First of all, I couldn't think of anything that had layers apart from onions. Like, what else has layers? Well, the, cake? You know, cake. Yeah, you could have a layer cake is a film. Yeah, true. That, that is a film. Good, that yeah. That is a film. But yeah, uh, we do have some listener comments uh, very, very quickly come in today. Uh, so I've managed to compile some. Well, I might have got them yesterday. Who knows? Who knows when I got them? I found what them. Is it? Nobody got knows. It. Who cares? Uh, so um, your brother and my friend, uh, I am Jack's Musings, at I am Jack's Musings. And he said, I came for Nathan, Nathan Cap'n Tight Pants. Yeah. Brilliant. 
and I left a fan of guns, gorno, gonzo genre filmmaking. He always has to show off, doesn't he, with his words? I do like a bit of alliteration though. He's so. a little wordsmith, isn't he? It's really yeah. annoying. I, <laughs> I just everything I say is littered with like. It's all like this, and I think, and he's just like, I'm just, just fucking did it then. And he's just like, I'm just going <laughs> to use words properly. Stop it! It's really irritating. Hey, I, I, I'm a fan. Of, I'm a fan of your mode of communication. <laughs> And Jack's, it's all it's all valid to me. It all works. It's, it's still, you know, I understand what you're getting at. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, but, but he is right. I think that there is a, even though we said there wasn't any real draw, you know, there was no hmm. big name. I do think the little geek Nathan Fillion subset at least is like a get was a gateway into this film and James Gunn's work, which I think is a really really good thing. And I think I think Nathan Fillion is known for being such a nice guy, such a genuine yeah. guy, and that is helped his career and, and even James Gunn was like I want this guy on my set for this yeah. film he was like not sure if he's right but the way he is and the, the personality has and you know he's just such a, a warmth a warm presence I think um, and I think that's why he's done so well and it's just you know the, the geek community has gravitated towards his warmth mm. and his humour and his his you know talent and I think that's why he is just shoom shot into the stratosphere of, of fandom and and continues to do so with Castle and The Rookie, I think, was one of his shows. Yeah, the, and, yeah. And some Rookie, of the, some interestingly, stuff. have immediately came out after the terrible accident last week um, saying they're going to not use any live props um, oh, wow, or really? um, yeah, or rubber bullets or whatever, which I think is just amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's brilliant. Like you know, I, it's a, awful, just bloody, just awful. I mean, just horrendous. Horrific. Shouldn't shouldn't have happened. Shouldn't be in a situation. You know, there's a lot of people that I think are maybe. No, I'm not going to say that because that's that's inappropriate. Um, I think there's a lot of people that might be. The, the investigation is not finished. Yes. And I think there's a lot of people on social media, especially, that are blaming certain parties that may not necessarily be to blame. I would say let the investigation be completed and, you know, charges put, you know, lock people away, what have you, before we may jump to those conclusions. That's all I would say. But, yeah, I think that's a really good move and a very smart move of them. Obviously, it's just tragic. Any way you cut it is awful. Yeah. Um, shouldn't have happened. Shouldn't have been a thing that has happened. And we're qu- it's quite lucky as well that it hasn't happened really since kind of the Brandon Lee, which is, mm. you know, mid-90s, which is, which is great, and it goes to show that that has happened. But in a way, it's a positive because now the, the control of guns and firearms on sets will now be even stricter. So I'm not saying it was a good thing that it happened, but, you know, good things can come out of very bad things as well. Yeah, completely agree. I think such a tragedy like that, the only thing we can hope for is a positive change. And it's amazing to see a TV show taking that step forward and almost instantaneously saying, actually yeah. this is a terrible terrible thing and we shouldn't be doing this let's let's move things forward i mean you can do prop guns you can do cgi guns they do cgi bullets oh i mean vf i mean if blimmin david fincher i'll credit my other half of this can this, this is what he said if david fincher can make people's breath show up in the social network because it wasn't cold enough we can put fucking muzzle flashes in post via vfx Absolutely. in film and tv shows Absolutely, one hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Uh, anyway, back to this. Sorry, uh, yeah. Anyway, back to this disgusting sluggy squid monster yeah. thing. Sorry, yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> no, but no, I, I totally agree. And I think that's a really, that's a really nice thing. And, and again, unprompted, absolutely mm. did unprompted. They were like, no one was like, we demand this, we demand these changes. It was like, no, we're going to do this because we think it's right. Good. I love that. Paul Meller at the Paul Meller Geek on Twitter says, I haven't seen it. Am I missing out? Uh, I'll watch it before the pod if you recommend. And I said, psst, I like it. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, yes, Paul, absolutely check it out. If Rhea's argument has not uh, pushed you, uh, do you have do you have any anything? Do you want to hit the nail in the coffin for this argument before we finish? Like, what exactly is you know? What's your pitch for selling this to somebody who hasn't seen it? Oh, that's a lot of pressure. I think going. Oh, God, no. I'm not going to be able to say anything wise or succinct. <laughs> I really want to be here for another 45 minutes. I think go in and just try and enjoy it. Don't look for layers. Don't overthink anything. Just, you know, it's not long. It's fairly short. I think going for some really good characters, some good character development, some people who have come committed to make a very specific type of film, have some fun with it, be horrified and chilled by it. Just be present. Yeah. Definitely be present for this film. I think yeah. on the surface is a kind of film where you can mess around with your phone or do what I often do is like be dicking around on my switch doing stuff, but just go in and enjoy it and be present for it. Cause you'll get a lot more enjoyment out of it. I think than if, if you're not fully watching it. Yeah. I think there might be some people out there that say might, that this might be a turn off your brain film. I absolutely disagree. I think you're mm, absolutely same. right. I think Go in with an open mind, be ready, be present for the experience uh, and take it as it is. I think, again, like you said, don't expect, you know, award-winning, you know, scripts or story writing direction, even though it is incredible. Don't get me wrong. It is absolute brilliant genre filmmaking. I prefer genre filmmaking over Oscar bollocks and all that hoity-toity stuff, all the Oscar bait stuff. I'm not down for that. That's why I don't talk about that. I talk about this stuff. <laughs> This is the stuff I like. This is the stuff I talk about. So absolutely, uh, if you're not, if you don't want any of that rubbish, you know, come, come for this. Come for the space slugs and the space squids. That's what we're all here for. For some serious space squid action. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, remember, it is not trying to rip anything off. So enjoy that. Enjoy the references. Enjoy going. Oh, that reminds me of this thing. It reminds me of that. It, this whole film is about enjoyment, and not as in like. You know, laugh. I mean, it is laugh out loud comedy, but enjoyment of the horror genre, enjoyment of the comedy within this very specific type of horror genre. Um, I've got another fact I forgot. Um, the original title was Wiggle. <laughs> I mean, nobody would have seen it if it was no. called Wiggle. Um, Absolutely I mean, no one. I mean, I mean, not many people saw it anyway, but yeah. even less. <laughs> The producers were like, yeah, we can't call it Wig. Can oh, you imagine that on the poster? I mean, people would have thought it was a children's film, right? Yeah, well, I mean, there was The Wiggles, wasn't there? That was yeah. like an Australian you know, like kids' show, wasn't there? Imagine the being like, oh, we're just going to pop to the cinema on a Saturday morning. <laughs> 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 quick, quick. They can't see the impregnation scene. Cover their eyes. Yeah. Oh, wow. <sighs> uh, yeah, Wiggle. Can you imagine that? That's the. Obviously, the, they were kind of aiming for the humour there, but I think, yeah. Not quite the right level, but I think one time the producers stepped in and they were right, which is very rare for for film. Yeah. On the odd on the odd occasion, the producers do go, "Yeah, we'll just rein you in just a little bit, just a little bit, James." My favorite thing with the name is I'll always say to people, "I'll sliver," and they go, "Sliver." Mm. Like that was that the Kim Basinger film? 
Uh, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. Uh, again, again, me and uh, me and Jack mentioned that last week as well. Well, like a couple of weeks ago now, I think it'll be. Um, but it's like they're they're very different. It's not yeah. the same film. It's it's not, yeah. This is not very erotic at all. No. Um, <laughs> no. And to be honest, to be honest, I'm not sure if Sliver was either. But yeah. you know, but you know, 13 year old me was like, I'll watch it. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's a very good film. <laughs> I'm just watching it for the acting and the award-winning script. That's right. Um, Yeah, um, not the boobies. I'm not here for the boobies. (laughs) Definitely not here for the boobies. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, that was was nice to relive 13-year-old me watching television. (laughs) Look, looking up on Teletext when the latest erotic thriller was on. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. Sad, sad times. Uh, and anyway, Paul, back to the film. Yes. Yeah, yes. Go and watch it. Re recommends it. I recommend it. Highly recommend it. Go do it. It's just mad fun. So just get in there. Um, if you can find it anywhere, you, again, you might need to buy it. Uh, Maybe I'll rent out my German. Hey, you. You might DVD make a business or Blu-ray, whatever it is. You, you might have a little business there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's how Netflix started. So you know, Rears Rentals. Rears Rentals. Oh, I like um, that. I like that. That could be your next podcast. Yeah. Rears Rentals. <laughs> what did you rent out? Was it any good? Um, did they give it back in proper condition? Mm, Importantly. Um, so we're going to move over to Instagram. Yeah. Um, which uh, I'm, I try and be active on, but it's not necessarily my favourite. Uh, I think Twitter is my favourite of the of the social medias. But my friend uh, from uni, uh, Patrick or Pat the Trick on Instagram, said such an underrated horror comedy. Absolutely, Patrick. Absolutely. Yeah. Well done, Patrick. Yeah. Get your quote on the poster. Done. Yeah, such an underrated horror comedy. Put it. I'll put it on my poster. Put yeah. it on my sliver poster. We'll put it on there. Um, uh, can we have five slugs? Five can we have slu- Patrick's comments and then five slugs. Five out of five slugs. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely want to see that. I would be so sad if that's not there. I'm going to find Patrick and I'm going to send him a message and be like, "If Dan doesn't do this, then we're going to have to gang up on him. We're going to have to. We're going to have to revolt." Yeah, slither revolts. Um, <laughs> get get your get your picket lines out. Get your, sta- get your signs out. Slither signs. Five slugs or revolt. Um, um, Uncle Frank Productions, who's the official artist for Grimfest, who I interviewed during my mm. uh, Grimfest stint. Um, he said, "Great movie." Uh, he also does the artwork. Speaking of German copies, he does the artwork for a lot of the media book releases in Germany. Oh. So, so a lot of the cool, amazing artwork they do for the DVDs and Blu-rays over there yeah. uh, from, I believe it's Media Book. You'll have to look him up. But he he does most of those. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And he created the Grim Reaper, the official Grim Reaper, Reaper mascot and the uh, and the kind of the posters for the, since 2015, I think he said. Oh, that's so cool. And he, oh, he, now, cool he now lives over there because he gets so much work from Germany. So Wow. There you go. There you go. But thank you very much for that, uh, Uncle Frank Productions. And Wicker Girl 66 who I also met at Grimfest, um, she's just posted three hearts. So, <laughs> so I'm going to say that she loves it. Yeah, I would say that's... A, time, times three, yeah. something like that. Um, that's how I understand it. Or That's the, if it's like out of 20 or something. Yeah. Like, oh, no. But it's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not three slugs out of five, though, is it? No. That's the ultimate. But thank you very much, everyone, for your comments. They were great. Go check out the movie. Rhea's not had to argue that much with me. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not one that I've, I'm like. Yeah, can't really. It's good. It's very, very good. Um, so, to, you, but still, you've done a cracking, cracking job. Thank you. So, uh, I think you've done an excellent job at, at uh, defending this film. Um, you hadn't watched it before, had you? This was the first time watching it. 
Uh, no, I had watched it, but not ah, for okay. a very, very, yeah, right, very, right, right. very, very long time. So, so it was nice to it was nice to get because I, I remember kind of enjoying it, but I I don't think I enjoyed it as much as this time round. Yeah, so I think I appreciated more because I think I'd I'd probably seen more films, I'd seen the references a bit more, and I knew who James Good was, I knew his style a bit more, was a bit more familiar with him. But I got I honestly got a lot more out of it, so I'm I'm really glad you recommended it and made me yeah. maybe watch it again. So, and even if you hadn't, even if I hadn't watched it, I think I still would have loved it for uh, this time round anyway but yeah it's been fantastic so we talked about your brilliant new podcast we've talked about uh, where you are and, and what you're doing but where can people find you on the social medias um so we're talking the pop gorillas we're talking you've been on season's greetings you've been on you're now on uh, the co-host of indie comic spotlight as well yeah. and you've got your own podcast them on film yeah where are all those? Where are you? Where are they all? I'm like Roy fucking Kent, aren't I? I'm here, <laughs> I'm there, I'm every fucking where. Rear Carrigan, Rear Carrigan. It's not the same ring, is it? No. Um, <laughs> so you can find me on the socials with my very unimaginative name, which is just at Rear Carrigan, R-I-A-C-A-R-R-O-G-A-N. And that's both on Twitter and Instagram. I'm probably more active on Twitter these days, but there's also Femme on Film, which is at Femme on Film Pod, I think I only set it up two days ago. I don't know. It's okay. Don't worry. I can. I, um, I'll tag it. I'll tag lovely. it. Lovely. Thank you. Everybody could just do my admin for me. That'd be <laughs> wonderful. Um, <laughs> and then also Pop Grillers, which is at the Pop Grillers. Just search Pop Grillers. Grillers, not as in like the ape, as in the. Uh, I mean, mil- military. Mil- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like gorilla, like gorilla rebels, or yes, gorilla, thank you. Yeah, more yeah. like rebels. Thank yeah. you. I was trying to think of like I didn't want to be like terrorist. Because um, <laughs> where I was going, I was like, that doesn't sound good, does it? Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, <laughs> which I do with uh, I am Jack's musing musings and Tony Farina, and then also with Tony on Indie Comic Spotlight, which is part of the Comics Emotion Network. Like I said. I'm everywhere. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You've You're done. You've done. Of you've, my voice. You've done the Nevers on there. You've done a bit of yes. Angel. Have you done Angel yet? No, not yet. Any... No, no. So no. I've done Nevers, Buffy, the TV show, Buffy the film. Because you've done the Nevers as well, haven't you? Yeah, I've done a little bit of Nevers. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, it's just really great at Comics in Motion because as, mo- as soon as they realise that you're free, they'll just, you know, that you've not got much going on because you've got a toddler. They'll just invite you to everything. It's wonderful. And you just get to chat with so, so many wonderful people about so many fun things. It's lovely. Yeah, I'm, I'm not officially part of the of the Comics Motion thing. It's kind of my, this is my own baby. So yeah. I look after it. But yeah, you're like, I'm, I'm a breakout. I can know. still. Uh, I'm uh, a lone wolf. Look at yeah, you go. I'm a lone wolf in the wolf pack. But I do, I, lo- I love being part of Comics and like, being unofficially a part of Comics in Motion. I love all the work they're doing. I love the community. I love all this sort of stuff that that they do and and how they bring more and more people in to do more and more different and diverse things. Um, I love all the opinions. I love, you know, there's uh, the Star Wars stuff. You've got, you know, your, your rental reviews. You've got the judge aspect of things. All this good stuff, like, it's all on Comics in Motion. There's stuff every single day, you know. Yeah, I, I wish I could post that. It's an nightmare. Oh, I can imagine. I don't have to do any of it, and it's great. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine the amount of organized. Like, it's hard enough to do my stuff, and I'm I only do mine every now and again. Oh, you know, what? You're then, everywhere. You're always out. Mm, I don't know. I don't. Know. I, I keep myself busy, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, the Greenfest thing came along pretty. You know, <laughs> we did it on the Thursday. I knew we were doing it on the Wednesday, so it was kind of, <laughs> so it amazing. Wasn't... Though you should be so proud. It's yeah. so cool. 
Oh, it was it was an amazing experience, and I loved uh, being a part of it. And we've been invited to do maybe more stuff in the future, maybe next year. Yeah. I don't know, but oh, wow. again, I'm I'm not going to count my chickens. But yeah. It, but yeah, it's it's kind of it's a big big thank you to Dennis, who's you know practically a co-host at this point. He's been on so many podcasts, but um, yeah, he's he, he he's the schmoozer. He's the he's <laughs> he's the guy who does he greases all the wheels. I'm not really the good at the whole networking thing, so so he's a, he's amazing at that. I'm just like I'll just get my friends on the podcast. <laughs> I can talk to them. I'm brave enough to talk to them. Um, but yeah, it's like but he's he's great at that, and uh, obviously he can't do all the editing and social media stuff I do. So it's a good little <laughs> it's a good little partnership. That I, not that even I want to do it, uh, but it's a good little partnership we uh, we have and and you know amazing to consider that and uh, and the the podcast birthday is I say it's coming up but it what by the time this is probably out it'll have it'll have been and gone so it'll have on been my way happy birthday so yeah I'll, I'll I'll get it on the social medias ask for everybody's yeah. opinions on stuff I'm like what do you like what do you hate do you hate more stuff than you like um because should I be more quiet should I do less who knows <laughs> whatever you say <laughs> um but no everyone's great uh, all the all the Italian, as I like to call them uh are great and and everyone's fantastic you've been fantastic thank you so much again for i know you're very busy i know you've got all you're doing all those other podcasts you know and you've got your toddler like you said you know all the other stuff you do um i think you know i just uh it's a real it's a real uh blessing to have you on so thank you very oh, much thank you i've been so excited it's so great <laughs> to actually meet you which sounds yeah. so weird it's, i feel it's, like i know you from your podcast and then from jack and yeah. then from our conversations about this it's oh, like yeah. a really weird, it's like you were sort of just in ears. Ethereal. Yeah. Ethereal. And then obviously talking to Jack about you and you being on the Nevers and stuff like that, I felt like you were my brother's friend who, you know, you know, you go to parties, yeah. like your brother's having or sibling or friends and your friend of a friend type thing. Sure. And now I actually know you and it's lovely. Yeah, it's really, really nice. So, uh, but I, I can't wait for more Femme on film. Um, and like I said, if you, if you need somebody, um, obviously, don't fill it up with blokes because that's not what this that's about. Don't just, <laughs> just be like wall to wall blokes. I like, have like that you've offered up two films that you're like, oh, all yeah. right, I've got this. I mean, I mean, I mean, I have, I have opinions. I, I'm not going to tell you what feminism is because that's and not my. You can be an ally. You're allowed. Absolutely, to be an ally. absolutely. I, I want to, I want to be that. And uh, whenever, whenever you want me, I'm more than happy to be there. But, uh, but I just can't, I can't wait for you to get absolutely stuck in. Um, and I've got some friends who will absolutely love that podcast. So oh, I'm amazing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get them. I'm like, listen to this because this is your, oh, this is absolutely you. your bag. So, um, so, so lovely. I, I wish you, wish you all the luck with that because it's going to be. I know it's going to be fantastic. I know it's going to be around for a while. It better be. I'm going to be very, very disappointed. <laughs> Just make sure I'm organised, okay? I'm going to revolt. I'll revolt. <laughs> but yeah, whatever you can do, whenever you can do it. That's how I see the podcasting. You know, it's, don't put too much pressure on yourself to get stuff done. Just do it when it feels right, when it's good. Um, you know, it's all. It's, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be. It fun. is supposed to be fun. That's very true. So yes. Uh, so I'll, I'll bang on with my social media. You know, most people know this by now, but I'll go on over it on it anyway um so i'm at uh, secret balls on facebook i'm at dan underscore balls on twitter at spider dan secret balls on instagram and don't forget to use the hashtag prepare for prattle uh, for everything else you need to know about the podcast swing over to spider dan and the secret balls.com on the world wide web and i'd like to thank my patrons on patreon i am jack's musings paul meller max Byrne, tony farina scott hodgson simon cottom for their continuing donations it is very much appreciated and helps Prattle World keep on turning. And if you ever find yourself in a position to help the podcast, 
please consider it. Thank you very much. This has been fantastic. A bit later than planned, but I have really, really loved it. And I managed, I'm glad we managed to, to work it out and get it done. Uh, but it's been so much fun. Thank you so much for your time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>